What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to uh, another episode of the Live Free Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. Uh, today's guests are Mr. Michael Page and also artist Mr. Ty Kunkit, which I don't know if I pronounced his last name right, but the funny thing is, is that his name is some made-up moniker, so even if I mispronounce the last name, it could just be used as a brand new moniker, so no foul. Um, today I was at the post office. God damn, the funniest fucking things happen inside the post office if you if you spend some time in there for for any experience, extended period of time. I was in there. I I shipped out four hundred dollars worth of shipping today. Shipping out Joe Rogan posters. So if there's any desk squad people who have been waiting for their uh, Atlanta four twenty poster, it's on the way. I did. I was there for about two hours today. I did an hour in the morning and then an hour at night, or in the afternoon. And it's no wonder those people are so disgruntled. Like we see the, this idea of postal workers being disgruntled. They get asked so many stupid questions over and over and over again that if people just took some time to ask the questions before they got there, the whole postal service would run much smoother. It's funny, we blame the uh, postal service all the time for being ran so shitty, but really it's the customer base. They, they take no responsibility for making anything easier. And uh, it's a very confusing little world in there. And I, I literally laughed out loud. I wanted to tweet that I laughed out loud, but I'm not one of those. I, I For some reason, my ego won't let me tweet LOL. But literally, I did. I laughed out loud. And I, I was worried that I was having like a crack-up moment while nobody else in the post office was laughing. Everyone else was pretty pissed about you know having to wait in line. But I was there anyways, shipping these fucking posters. So I at least was uh, entertained by the show. Here you are. You got another show here. Uh, I know it had been a long time since I did shows. Now I'm doing three right off the bat. This is the second of the third that will be coming out here shortly. Um, like I said, Michael Page and Ty Kunkit sit, sit down with me um, from their studios in San Francisco. Uh, we talk morphing personas, coming-of-age situations, stylistic evolution, artistic entrapment, intention, Zachariah Stitchin, Salvia, McKenna Erasers, Life and Death, Monkey Man of Thailand, Weed, Art Pimps, Twitter, Google Image Status, and Going Global. Uh, as always, make sure you go check out the website, MikeMaxwellArt.com. Click on the blog and you'll get all the information about all the artists and all the other wackiness I get into. Um, make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at LiveFreePodcast. If you want to follow me, I'm MikeMaxwellArt. Uh... You could friend up all the shit and get all those follow actions uh, via the website. If you do, just go to MikeMaxwellArt.com. You can click on the podcast and find all that uh, linkage over there, too. If you're enjoying the show and feel like donating to the podcast, uh, just find the blog or on the uh, on the podcast website. You'll, you'll see a donate button, PayPal link action. Throw some Skrill if you feel so inclined. If not, that's okay too. No problem. Uh, the show's always free. Make sure you go download them from iTunes. Uh, you could subscribe and rate the show over there. Leave a comment. Does things for the numbers. Silly. Um, we're on the Stitcher too. I, I tried doing a search for it just recently, uh, and I did, nothing came up. Uh, 
So I'm pretty sure we're still on the Stitcher. Um, check that out. I, I guess I could look on my phone. If it, if you listen to the show on Stitcher, send me uh, Twitter and say uh, everything's working good on there. Um, yeah, and so that's it. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Mr. Michael Page and Ty Kumke. It looks low, son. Why so low? Bring this up. That look higher? Am I talking loud? This situation here? Alright, that's better. Gotta be boisterous. Alright, let's give Michael a call here. Let's see if he's ready. We're doing the Facebook style call. Let's try it. No ring. Hey! What's up, Michael? How are you? How you doing? Hey, I apologize for fucking lagging. This is Ty Tunkett. Hey, what's, what's up? What's up, Ty? How are you? Good. You guys can hear me okay? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Got the headphones split up. <laughs> you like that, huh? Looks like high five. I feel like, I think this has been done before, so this isn't the first time. Oh, right on. But this is actually the first time uh, you and I have met. I, we just spoke recently, right? I don't know. Have we met before? Do you know? Uh, we haven't met before, but I have. Uh, I've seen your work over the years, and you know, always appreciated it. So nice. Well, um, thanks for taking the time to shoot the shit with me, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. I um, I've been following your work for about a year now, a year and a half, I think. I've been seeing your stuff, and it's it, it's really, really amazing work. Um, let me. I'm I'm just gonna take one quick look here. Yeah. All right. Everything's. Everything's on point. It's a little weird using the Facebook to do the Skype call. Yeah, yeah for Usually sure. I have the, the program going. But it, it's so crazy that it works. I was just talking to Blaine Fontana about this, like how fucking creepy the privacy issues are. Like, <laughs> we were just talking about that right now. Dude, I almost felt guilty having you sign up thinking like, oh, here we go. I signed him up him to the I'm Matrix. Like, from now on, you're going to have to put a piece of tape over your, your camera and your microphone. Seriously. At, at any <laughs> That's moment. what I've been doing. Yeah, it's kind of creepy, but at the same time, it's like, what an amazing technology to, to take use of. For sure, yeah. Now Facebook's going to watch all of us jerking off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I told you. <laughs> Just be careful, man. Just be careful. So, um, you guys are both artists. Ty, um, I just sort of became familiar with you uh, through our recent interactions here. Uh, you, you go by, you have different monikers? Is that, is that okay yeah, to say? Yeah, I, I use different monikers. A lot of different monikers. That's fun, right? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Is that a a, a staying low key issue? No, it's more about like being able to, you know, morph yourself into whatever you want to be, like the ability to make multiple avatars so that you can have multiple views in in uh, you know the new medium called the internet, I guess. Right. Which is it's kind of like a very similar idea to doing graffiti. Like a lot of people don't. Yeah, it's super. It, even like they, they can tag every photo now, so you can start tagging everywhere. <laughs> I, I was thinking, how cool would it be to like take a painting and be able to like actually draw on it, so you actually make your tag on the on the painting, so it becomes more like an open source sort of uh, graffiti like experience on the internet. It's the fucking future, man. Anything's possible. <laughs> Definitely. So, Michael, um, 
like I said, I just recently became familiar with your work over the last couple of years. Obviously, I assume you've been doing stuff for for much longer than that. Yeah, yeah, it's been going for about six, seven years now, I think. Kind of uh, varying from one thing to another, you know. Are, is this something? Has this been like a lifelong? Have you have you always done creative things throughout your life? Yeah, yeah. As a kid, I used to draw all the time. You know, the same old shit that you always hear. But that's all I did. That and skateboard. And, right. Uh, kind of moved on, you know. Are you, you're to, in you're in San Francisco now? Did you grow up? Yeah, on I grew West up Coast? in Huntington Beach. Sorry, I skated and was at the beach all the time as oh, a kid. Okay. So you're you're a Southern California guy, even. Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> not by heart. Not by heart. Maybe by blood, but not by heart. <laughs> when when did you get up to the Bay Area? I moved up here around 2002, I think it was about 10 years ago, just oh, nice. kind of to get away from everything. So you're you're pretty much a, an OG after about a decade. You get like OG status, right? I don't know. I don't not up here. I think you got to be born here to get the OG status. <laughs> really? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I mean, there, there's as many transplants there. I would I would think as there is in other parts of California. It seems like anyway. Oh, definitely, definitely. But you you meet the uh, the original people here, and then they mm-hmm. they set you straight. They let you know. <laughs> <laughs> so what you do? You go to school up there? Uh, no, I, I did for a semester, and then I, I moved out to Italy to try to begin whatever I was trying to do, out there, yeah, and and figure that out. You know, I actually went out there to to learn about shoe design. I wanted to design skate shoes, and then how uh, old were you when you did that? What's that? How old were you when you did that? I was twenty three, twenty three at the time. So that's a that's a pretty ambitious goal at twenty three to get up and bounce to go to Italy as a way to sort of yeah, pick up for sure. like i i know a lot of you know a lot of young people will go and do like a backpacking sort of like a like coming of age sort of like situation like a sort of traveling the earth yeah i did that at 17 <laughs> and then after that i was like i loved italy and i i had to go back you know so what did and that's another thing like picking up a craft while on these types of travels is it was was there something artistic about it beyond like being already? Uh, you said you were skating already, so you had some sort of interest in that beyond that. But like the craft of shoes, was that something like that interested you before? Or is it just strictly about skating? You know, I think I've always been interested in it. I loved, I love shoes. I love um, just design in general. You know, because that's kind of a good craft to have. Like, if shit hit the fan, motherfuckers don't know how to fucking put shoes on their feet. Like, <laughs> you could probably, you know, just even knowing like some cuts to make, right? That, that some, and like, tattooing. If you go to prison or jail and you, you can tattoo. Yeah, right. Or draw dudes' girlfriends for them and shit. Oh, yeah. That's always fucking helpful. So, um. Something I wanted to talk to you about, like, uh, I'm always interested in the sort of um, evolution of artists, and I know you've made some stylistic jumps in the, not even, jumps is not even the right word. I, I, I like this idea of evolutions, but looking through the work that you've made, you had a, um, a figurative base that was a sort of whimsical ideas, and it seems like uh, at some point, the little the whimsicalness started to become eaten up by a sort of psychedelic abstractness. <laughs> nice, for sure. Very slowly too. I, I went back and looked, and you could sort of see the progression yeah. of things sort of sneaking in into the world of, of the... yeah. And there was and I like using the word evolution because I noticed this abstraction sort of went through a sort of 
meta uh metamorphosis of like going through like a sea life phase into like coming out of the ocean like there was a, a definitely like a, a nautical theme in some of the transitions there uh i'm curious as to what was there something that was significant in in your lifestyle that that coincided with some of these shifts is that um, if that's not too personal of a question not at all, not at all right off uh, you know i is actually in fact meeting uh the gentleman next to me ty Cunkin, <laughs> and uh another buddy of ours three ripple who are both amazing painters um and just from watching them paint and working with them in the studio we started a collaborative where they had a collaborative going on already uh turn it into oyster pirates at the time but I think just watching them work and how they worked, it blew my mind and I wanted to do that. And I felt that I was getting uh, pigeonholed into an, an idea of painting and I hated it. And the only way I, I thought of, or the only thing I could think of was to break from that. And that kind of worked out to where it is now. And I keep finding that in myself, you know, I keep evolving it and changing it and, and searching for whatever there, there else is out there. I, it seems like there's definitely uh, um, a sense of freedom that's happening, like a like a letting go. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, when I when I first met Michael, it was uh, probably eight years ago when we were first when you first were like into it. Yeah, yeah. And he started sharing studio space with me, and I had been working with my buddy in this sort of same similar manner, where you know it's it's more open source or what you would call uh, like the ability to not have any rights to like any creative idea. What comes in the studio, people can, you know, bounce off of. It's like street art. You look at somebody and you see what they do and you learn like super quick techniques that you would never get in any other kind of situation. So Michael was thinking about going to school and I'm like, don't waste your money. It's not even worth it. Like most of the people that learn, learn through like painting around other people who are painting and you go to academia and it almost sucks the life out of uh, creativity in some manners. So what we started doing was just really involving the whole entire like collaborative efforts in learning and, and pushing through. When I met Michael, he was acrylic painter and he wanted to learn how to paint oil. So we, we just started working oil every day at that point. And now it's like eight years later, I've watched his, uh, I would call it, a, it's, at some point, like you are saying, 10 years makes you an OG, but then you also have some sort of ideas, like what your oeuvre would be, which is like French word for your, your uh, evolution as a painter, like where your style goes. So you look at someone like Picasso, and he, he would be like someone like Michael, his, his style's changing so quickly, it's hard to, to pinhole him somewhere. But then he could be whatever he wanted to be after that. Where artists like Rothko, who painted just square, you know, color fields, became so trapped in it that he ends up slitting his wrists and not knowing how to go forward as an artist. That I was just talking uh, to Blaine Fontana about that same thing. Like, you know, for some artists that get trapped in this situation where all of a sudden these paintings or something becomes marketable. And they're able to make a comfortable living and there sort of becomes like a, a 
spider web, a trap that yeah, that some people get stuck in. And you know, maybe it works for some people if, if for within their experience. You know, that's not to like say that there's any that it's a negative thing per se. But if, if it causes some sort of stress and it's some sort of distress in them, like that they feel like they're all of a sudden it becomes like a job or it's like this thing that they have to do. Yeah, I think every artist different. that ends up making money off of it has to face that question eventually, you know? Like that's the hardest sure. part of, of tricking the dollar. Yeah, is, right. is where's your intention then? And that, that's also what we also, the, what, because we talked a lot about marketing and design and, you know, how you sort of jump that fine line between this, like, pure artist type to this uh, sort of marketing, trying to sell a brand. And it's, uh, it, it, it came down to what your intentions were. If you have good intentions exactly. to keep a sort of pure exactly. creative mindset, then, then maybe it's a little it's a little better or it, it's a little more okay than if you're like, fuck it, I'm trying to get rich and yeah. make this money. And, and, and who's to say besides the artist himself? Like that's the hardest thing to judge. And there's yeah. all these other people outside judging. So there's, there'll be like a reverberation of hate that comes back at you because everybody would like to be in the position that you're in at that point. Yeah. Right. It's a weird Everyone thing. Everyone wants to go to the bank. And it, <laughs> and it's so stupid even to come up with judgments like that because like for me I always say that art is about not having any rules exactly. you know like it's about pure freedom to do exactly what it is sure, you want to do even if you do some bullshit you could just throw it in the fucking trash but you had the freedom to create whatever it is that you wanted to do at that particular moment and no one can dictate what it is that you could what what it is that you could do at any particular moment sure. But uh, finding that fine line when it becomes down to that dollar bill, it gets, it gets kind of fucking weird for <laughs> that, that purification that artists find themselves in. Yeah, we decided early on oyster parts are going for euros and yens. Nice. <laughs> and then we got them. And then, <laughs> and then we lost them because of you know, greed about whoever who we were co-conspiring or collaborating with. Right. Which is funny. You know, this is, the thing about art I've known is... You know, an artist starts to understand they're producing a language that they can access their future with, and basically you, you're painting your your future. And if you can read your paintings, then you can start to have the ability to create your future in a way that that sort of the paintings predict the events. <laughs> yeah, it's you, interesting. You access those archetypes, and then the archetypes precipitate you know reality well some of the that, that's an interesting step to move into some of these um sort of historical archetypes are showing up in a lot of your work these days michael yeah definitely. yeah um a lot of uh i know you you mentioned that some there's some recent nordic and greek myths i noticed some sumerian stuff in the last like over the last year i guess stuff yeah, on yeah. your websites over the last couple of years is that fair to say yeah yeah for sure yeah um what's what's some of the interest in some of this stuff i know it, it seems like there's a level of um ancient mysticisms that come up in, in some of your stuff in some of the topics and a sort of connection to some of these things and then i also want to sort of talk about psychedelics and what what connection that has to some of this stuff that there's there's an interesting mix between um what seems like 
like a modern physics idea of like sort of understanding uh, matter and energy in, in this universe and then a sort of hearkening back to ancient times where like they were starting to figure this shit out but from on a very minute level you know I, I don't know if that's just me adding my own shit to it but I, I see some connection to that yeah, you know, I, I keep hearing my, my baby cry in the background, so oh, it's no. killing my train of thought. I'll, I'll I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> do you need to... Do you need we to... read this book called The Twelfth Planet by uh, Zachariah Stitchin <clears throat> a while back, and we all, like, shared it. Like, my buddy got it first, and then I read it after him, and then I just passed on to Michael. And you read that, and you realize, like, all the scientific, like, uh, uh, science fiction that's even around, sort of based on his theory that... Like the you know the ancient alien stuff on History Channel too. Yeah, it's like that there was like a, a culture that predates us. It's more technological, advanced. That's just imprinted itself so that there's signs and symbols for our culture, and that basically we were we were created by this Planet X or Murdoch. What is what is? That? Yeah, I think it's Planet X, and it's not to say that I believe in that no. at all. But it, yeah. it it was. I grew up Catholic. Yeah, it kind of flips your, your it flips your whole entire perspective for sure. And so well, you start seeing these these archetypes, and we started using them in kind of play, playful manners as we were experimenting with our own like language. Definitely. Well, and, and it's a way I see it often as a way to sort of like continue these myths it's it's a it, because there it seems like i don't know even with the internet it's it seems like it's almost necessary to to continue these even the word mythos sounds a little bit better than myth but uh like these stories like continue them in some sort of concrete manner like creating some sort of art form around them because that's typically how these stories continue on through history is through these art forms because a lot of times histories get changed you know, depending on which military won the fucking war, right? Like, for it's sure. easy for a lot of these deities and these stories to just disappear just on destruction. But it seems like it, it, it has, it's been a partly the role of the artist to sort of continue some of these stories for some reason. And I don't even know if that's purposeful or accidental or just part of sort of our human history. I think if you look at it as like shamans and we're modern day like shamans, that then you understand what the shaman journey is. And you, you say that the myths had changed throughout history, but they really haven't that much. The shamanic sort of uh, archetypes still exist in any historical context that you look at. And even when you look at like last World War II, you know, like Nazism was completely based in mysticism and based on archetypes. And the archetypes really took control and, and started to change a lot of what was going on. So. Oh, wow, what, what, what were we even talking about? <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, this, right? <laughs> yeah, I could make it sound awesome every time. Like, like we're perfect. You know, I just noticed on, on the last one, it's like I, I can hear my breath sometimes, come, like an inhale that comes through the microphone. It just picks it up. And just because I listened to it in the edit, I'm like, fuck, I want to clean all that out. And now that I said it, everyone's going to hear it like a fucking asshole. You know? <laughs> But yeah, that that happens. You just start running down a pathway. I don't. I'm not exactly sure what we were talking about either, to be quite honest with you. But I, it was. I think the initially it was the connection between. I, I the I wanted to sort of lean into like the idea of 
of physics and uh, psychedelics having some sort of, there some, seems to be some sort of connection there. I know with your paintings, there seems to, I, I noticed a sort of um, a, like a passing, like a, uh, like a, a interdimensional sort of situation. For and sure. I, I, I sort of recognize that in some of the things that I'm looking at is like almost like understanding matter and form and energy in a different sort of mindset. And it's, it's weird. Some of the pieces like the, like, like as if they're going through skin that you've been working on lately have, have this very similar um, aspect to some like uh, psychedelic experiences that I've had. Um, there was the one, the painting awakening that you yeah. did with the feet and the hands. I've talked about this on the podcast before, so I won't go into the full story, but I had a salvia trip that felt like I was in this tunnel made out of um, interlocking fingers and hands that sort of connected in between vines and plant matter and that sort of thing. Nice. And it, it had some sort of birth reference, you know, like birth canal situation. But there was something in that that I, I felt a similarity between the works that you were making. Are are these things like psychedelics? I know you talk about um, the spirit molecule and, and, and DMT and those sorts of things. I know that was a, a reference point for some of the, the recent work. Is is are the usage of the? I don't know. And stop me if you don't want me to talk about these. No, things, you but. can talk all you want. You know, I've never done DMT, and I would. I truly, truly want to try it out. Um, I do mushrooms often enough when I paint at times, and I smoke a shitload of weed. If you don't mind me saying that, but no, I do too. I. That's good. <laughs> I think it all plays a part in, in, in what I'm trying to create, you know, the awakening painting in general was I just had a baby and, um, I think it just, it obviously it changed my life. That's almost better, like a psychedelic experience in and of itself. It no? was the craziest experience I've ever had. I, you know, totally. I, I'm not atheist or anything like that, but, um, I don't generally believe in a, a, a God per se, but when I was, watching my baby being born it felt like there was something greater than what we have here happening you know what i mean yeah interesting it's pretty intense you and mentioned so just during that process i i created all these paintings but i that painting was representing that moment kind of that's interesting too because that's why i said that connection that salvia experience really almost felt like a birth like a rebirth process I haven't done salvia either. Yeah. It's I, pretty I have friends intense. in my house. Salvia is, <laughs> salvia is insane. It's, I like to try it. it I had the, the most amazing experience of my life. Like I, I believe that I have died and witnessed like an atomic, you know, death through the salvia experience. And then, like mine was like, I had, I had like popped out of my body. So I saw myself in a chair. And I was away from myself and I was in my studio in Salt Lake City and I can always go back there anytime I have any out-of-body experience now because it was like the first time ever leaving my body and I was certain that like I totally gone and then I looked at myself from outside and I started shrinking I'm like oh fuck I'm gonna disappear and I grabbed myself and I ate myself to like <laughs> make sure that, that like I had consumed me leaving <laughs> me and then after that, I just went everywhere, and I had to call my buddy Suri Whipple, who I had done it with like before. And when we did it together, we had a very different experience. When 
that's the weird part about that is like everything every time you do it you have a totally different intense experience well that's why i you had mentioned that you felt like you could go back to that same place the i've i've only done it twice and both times i went to this same tunnel location yeah. it's like viney like it's a, it's a total like uh time machine just like your paintings are time machines like I, every time I go in front of a painting I haven't seen for a long time, I remember the music I was listening to, the, like Definitely. the exact like location, everything. But yeah, yeah, that's I, I, I often uh, sort of give it the metaphor of being like a keep it real machine almost like <laughs> like we forget who we've been in the past my tattoos are the same thing like my tattoos oh, keep me in so check. many embarrassing tattoos not even like the embarrassment <laughs> level of the tattoo themselves but just I'm not, I'm not saying you do but I do so I know what you're talking about that just to put you <laughs> in that time frame thighs. that's embarrassing I, I've like done the, the same like, like, that looks like chicken scratch <laughs> <laughs> but it, you know it it allows you to put yourself back into that place of who you were. If we don't have these markers, it's super easy to to forget. Our brain will be like, "Oh, you were fucking super." Especially cool. when you go through the psychedelic experience, because then you leave the many into the one, and then it's it's hard to come back to like all the separation. Which I think is interesting about some of your new work, Michael. Is like that that uh, that separation from matter. It seems like in. I've I noticed this in some of the stuff that I'm doing and sort of an like an overall thing that's kind of happening. It's funny. I asked um, one of my last shows I did at the shooting gallery. I was talking to um, Leif Eves. I I might not be pronouncing his name properly. I apologize if I'm mispronouncing it. But um, I was asking. I was like, you know, where do you think things are going? Like I could see like I've always enjoyed like an abstract and a figurative mix in both the work that I do and the work that I enjoy viewing, you know? And he he was like, things are going to get psychedelic. And, <laughs> nice. you know, it was a few years, like maybe a few years after 9-11 or whatever, and, you know, it, like it felt like there was these sort of shifts happening in society. Yeah, it and it's weird how it connects, like we've seen it in the 60s, how it connects with this psychedelic movement where if you take this substance and realize that, uh, this universe and this idea of reality is not quite the experience that you perceive it to be. That there's 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 alterations in it. There's little variants to everything. Uh, I think it becomes a brand new world to look at. And I think artists start to figure this shit out. And then you know we see it in the in the layman, and we start to you know look at from from standpoints of physics where we say, oh, we're not really these, like, solid objects. We're just little balls of energy that are bouncing off one another. These are the same types of ideas we get from psychedelics and even from some ancient mysticism, right? Like, even in, you know, ancient Greek mythology, they were figuring out that, that that's where the idea of the atom came from was, uh, you know, mm -hmm. that far back, you know? And Adam, why is he called Adam and Eve, you know? It's the same derivative, same sound. Yeah, sure. Like, the makeup of everything. Yeah. So I, I, I think it's... I like I like like because I listened to your you talked to uh, Damon Soul a little bit about the same salve experience I heard on the last yeah, podcast, right. and I was like, well, I, I was thinking like hard about this, and I was like, well, the one like any any kind of experience you have with like any kind of psychedelic is an actual like uh, disc eraser, so you actually you make room for new programming but 
the thing about art that's different from anything else that's why it's necessary is that art is the programming tool like there's no other way of programming yourself authentically in this because you know you, you said something about layman and everything if you separate yourself and realize that you're, you're no longer that then everybody's an artist then that that's the, the new tool that that you have to have like we're monkeys we have to like create with our 10 digits and you know there's people that work at apple that have completely converted people over to like believing that the keyboard is the way and the entry into like that uh no sphere or void or the ether but in fact it's not you know it's it's us creating our own symbols through through art which is accessing archetypes and it's that is the programming device and psychedelics would be like the erasing device you're saying psychedelics are like uh, like a, just a big eraser to delete all the bullshit that's in there yeah. for the most part? I mean, I'm borrowing this from uh, uh, Terrence McKenna. Like, yeah. He was the one that was like saying, you know, that's your the, the way to erase the programs that are no longer efficient, that are even stuff we carry through biology, you know? Yeah. Like our, our, there's genes that aren't even effective anymore. And then we carry memes on top of that. Well, that's for me. It's always like a, uh, it's like a therapy session. Yeah, exactly. It's like reprogramming your brain. Like, like the last few have been bad. I'm really like it. It's been challenge. Like the last few mushroom trips I've had have been really challenging. Except the salvia trips have been really comforting and loving and like a really nice. That's because you you know you go outside of time and space and you go into like nothing, but you also know you're gonna return. Like you, it's like going to space and, and realizing, oh, I got the way back. But, but the mushrooms you can leave for too long. There's, they become so disassociating sometimes that you like, like they're, they're blips of reality almost. Yeah. So I've been experiencing sometimes. Well, I've noticed this interesting connection between, um, like the last, one of my last trips I did, I sat down and like turned on Fox News as a way to... <laughs> See, that's the worst thing. No, no, no I, I know, clearly, I know. But oh let me let me Jesus, preface this that... I'm going to preface this that like five hours before this, I was out in the middle of nature, like in the mountains, in the hills for the for the majority of, of the mushroom trip. So I was actually, pl- I went to go get in the sensory deprivation tank after that. That's why oh, I had I had about an hour at my house I that I had to do. And so I turned on the news because I knew that it was going to be just weird looking. And I noticed something similar in just the marijuana experience when, like, if you turn on, like, a sitcom or something, you can just hear the bullshit. Like, you can hear the tricks. You can hear the, like, yes, the fakeness of the right whole thing. And on mushrooms, it's that times one hundred and fifty-five thousand. Yeah. <laughs> you know, even you if you're not having Murdoch like writing the fucking script like in his bed. Yeah, so it, it's so crazy, <laughs> and it almost becomes like this idea, like, okay, this is exactly why we're not why powers that be have chosen for us to not be able to utilize these things because it shows how fake everybody is. Exactly. That's why, like, the only legal drugs are nicotine, caffeine, and alcohol. That's why, like, it's for a working force that works for Ford Corporation. That's all they need. They need to be stimulated in the morning and then forget about it in the evening. I made a great vodka drink tonight for the, for the late night. 
And I'm actually I'm not I'm not much of a drinker either, but I just started drinking um Moscow Mules. You ever had that? No. Vodka and ginger beer. Nice. A little bit of mint and some lime. It's the shit. Sounds like kind of like a mojito now. Kind of, but more kind of, like but like southern. Yeah. Nice. Southern yeah. mojito. <laughs> it's very strange. So yeah, uh, I I don't know. I like the the psychedelic talk is so interesting. I don't know if I want to get into the morbid ideas of life and death. Is that because it seems like it's such a weird connection too? Like how many people have like the freak out of like I'm dying during psychedelic experiences, and the right. idea that you know we go through some sort of psychedelic experience at the time of death. Which, ego death for sure which i mean it's plenty of us have seen we we do some crazy drops like i know for instance somebody in my family um died from cancer and at the like last moment you see this like great burst of energy like yeah. watching somebody die is the most amazing experience ever it's life ever. it's life changing it, it's it's, it's life altering as watching a birth it's it's identical I watched my grandfather die and he, I would sit there the whole time. No one else would be comfortable enough to be around him. And he, he would sit there and show me what he was seeing. And I'd be looking and trying to see if there were lights and stuff that, and go over and interact with it. And it was amazing. Like the journeys he would have, cause I would just validate everything as being real. Cause he'd come in and out of those states. Hospice was there, you know, like they were at the last moments of it. It's intense. Yeah, extremely. And it seems like I, it, looking at some of your work over the last year or so, there seems to be that sort of transition, even like a transition of like, uh, almost like a retransition, like a death to birth, as opposed to that uh, typical uh, left to right birth into death idea, you know, just over the last couple of years. And, and I, I guess if if those things are happening in life, it, it makes sense, you know, like, obviously, I didn't know you were you had just had a baby. So like picking up the that sort of a new like a rebirth happening after what seemed to be like a series of like a, a, a conversation with death. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think after this one, it's going to be like rebirth again or something, you know? Yeah, I have to change it up. But <clears throat> the birth part, yeah, obviously I had a kid, but uh, the death, I'm luckily that I still have my entire family. I grew up with grandparents and all, so I just think I'm I'm afraid of myself dying and them dying and, and sure, and that's all that a, bullshit, you know. That's a big artist thing. Like I know, I know, early on, like that was a big part of what I wanted to get into was like what you were saying, like you're painting your future in that idea of that you're almost able to make yourself live forever in these sort of ideas. Yeah, that, that's right. Exactly Isn't that why you do it? Exactly because you it. see Van Gogh in the museums and he's like dead 400 years, but he's exactly. like right in your eyes, you know, like right there. At the beginning. But now I'm, I'm, I'm trying to learn <laughs> to not become attached to things like that. Like even being comfortable with the fact that all the paintings that I make are are just as minor a blip on this screen as I am, that they're not going to last that much longer, that they too will eventually dissolve and be gone, you know? The weird part is, is they may perpetually be there digitally, you know? Yeah, definitely. Like, now they've been forever. transferred over into that digital space, and your legacy and our, like, conversation now and everything will be imprinted into this, like, 
you know, embedding of cultural reality. That's what the voice in the back of my head was saying as I was saying that idea of the, <laughs> the material world is maybe we eventually just shift out of this material world into a, a different sort of... going to be more of, of a decision that's respected among everybody when you choose to call it and be, become so anonymous and so outside of this now crazy... I mean, samsara and delusion and maya have always been the same kind of like thing that we realize as artists especially you leave this physical world and you go into no time and no space because people will come down into your studio and say hey you've been gone for 12 hours and you're like oh my god for real that can't be the truth I, my parents did that to me i'm sure they did yours did it to you yeah sure. you probably just had a understanding mother that bought you spray paint <laughs> like i did that's the right. difference almost you know? Yeah, and that's I talk about this thing all the time. This idea of being in the moment, in that bliss that comes from from that thing, you know, whether it be you you're a painter or you you find it in some other sort of um, uh, state of mind that you you can frame yourself in. You know, it becomes it becomes a mantra. Be, like and I, like I I get the same thing from do like I do jujitsu. I get the same mindset doing jujitsu as I do making art. It's about not be, trying to get your head in the future and get it the fuck out of the past because that shit gets stuck there and it causes us a fucking stress that we don't need. For sure. You know, and if we find ourselves in moments where we're in actual joy, where we're supposed to be, not under some fucking awful lighting in some shitty office somewhere. Yeah. Art emancipates the soul. It provides meaning for an otherwise meaningless existence. And it, art can be defined in so many ways. I, I think, like, a lot of people think that things get pigeonholed into just, like, certain styles or certain uh, mediums that you could use. Art could be how the fuck you sit down on the floor for a fucking a half hour if you want it to be, you know? I watched a guy in Thailand. He's a, He's been a monkey for 10 years. He walks like a monkey. That's pretty artistic to me. I don't know if it's more than that, but... I Dedic saw art out of it, that, you yeah. know. Dedication, at least, right? Yeah, genius, maybe. <laughs> it's become redundant, I believe. Like, art is just everybody now. Like, you go to the grocery store. To, to, art's like the deprogramming device that everybody has access to if they if they need it. That's and everybody all, like, utilizes it at some, you know, typically at younger ages. Fuck yeah, now definitely. It's the only it's the only thing that provides meaning. At some point, that's it. Nothing else does. Religion's becoming obsolete. Art's the only thing that actually provides any kind of meaningful ex existence. But as obsolete as it seems to people with a certain level, a certain mindset, there's a lot of people who still buy all the stories that are told as, as literal truths. It's because a they're lot. very powerful. Like Gregors, they do control a lot. They are very, like culturally significant like there are the archetypes that we exist the ones that like bow to them like madonna was born madonna like becomes madonna like you understand that these are really powerful cultural uh collective entities called the gregors i that, that, that actually are as real as you can imagine they're they'll they're so real they'll be they will become physical in some manner through what we're reaching through, which is these machines. They'll become real through like blockbuster movies or whatever else. <laughs> yeah. 
or through movie stars. Well, yeah, and it, it, we see it already. It already yeah. is. But They're sometimes all, all I... The, all the girls are wrestling to be Marilyn Monroe still. <laughs> I, I have to ask myself, is like, do we get to a point where we realize that most of us are just lying to one another? Do, do we even get to a point where these groups of people say, okay, we're lying to ourselves? I don't think it's not lying. We're we're trying to like create consensus. We're trying to like supersede somebody else's reality to match this other reality. You know, Einstein proved everything was relative. That happened, you know, hundred years plus back. Now you just tr try to catch up. We're like, you know, if you think perspective is reality, then you, you can understand that there's no real truth. You know, there's. Truth there, truth there, and truth there. There's only reality tunnels. That's, and that that's hard for a lot of people to deal with. It seems it's, it's impossible. Almost... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why artists like are the only ones that entertain the idea. Yeah, and it seems as though it it, it takes the it takes the opportunity to sit down and think about it. It takes the time, and a lot of a lot of people every day they got to go work fucking nine ten hours a day, fucking commute, and they they almost just don't have the opportune time to have an hour just to let their mind sort of wander off, and that's a it's almost a shame not to like be that's elitist the about that it. That's they make. Yeah, they make that choice. Like we choose not to. That's what separates us. From them, like I'm not saying because maybe I'm saying that layman too, but you don't make that choice. You've consciously had to not, and you know what? They believe it's easier to 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 be us, but it's actually much harder to make the choice not to do that than it is to make the choice to go do that every day. For sure, to set your alarm every day. Do you feel like that? Be a robot for somebody else's intentions and desires. Do you think that comes out of a, a certain personality trait, like that comes out of like a maybe a particular like environment well, growing they, up? They call us ADHD. They call us bipolar. They call us like in in the school systems where they try and make. What are you, know, you guys smoking? Uh, tobacco for. No, you can be serious. That, like medicinal, medicinal purposes. I got uh, let's see it's I a. It's a tobacco blend that we have. Nice. It, it has to be some type of you know we're not we I, we're not relevant with the names but maybe purple kush maybe probably or God that's so old dude well, what's the new one <laughs> it must be a new they one. call it like uh, <laughs> so old. they call it like Rosie's butt plug or something like that. <laughs> that is they get so retarded on these things they do they, it it changes like like Blue Dream, Dream was the last like big thing i heard about around here like everyone was like try this blue dream I'm but like, that said there are there are differences in from strain to strain you know there are there right definitely mellow and then the, but uh, it's just sativa versus i uh the, my buddy uh the, just grew this shit that i just showed you and he recently had a heart attack and um oh, yeah. he my, my very minor uh, and he named it Cardiac OG because he has a sense of humor. <laughs> Damn. It's like that hamburger joint that keeps fucking getting people into heart attacks. I went Vegas. to one. Yeah. I went to that place, dude, and they give you like triple triples. Yeah. It's like I went there bacon with my, and all the shit my on it. Babies. Was, nice. Yeah, they, they actually put a bib, like you go into the ER, like you have, you put one of those bibs on them in the store. <laughs> You got to keep that part in. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a, I figured I don't want to be left out. About, about reality. Only we edit us. 
and only I edit me. This is how you know, like, you're still authentically not produced by nobody. We're artists. We get fucked by dealers. They're our pimps. That's just the truth. They don't do shit. We created the world that they try and pimp on. And so that's a, that's something I talk about that. a lot too. Actually, do you uh, do you see anything changing in the art world? Do you do you think it's going to stay the same it, as it's been over the last twenty years? Fuck no. Can't right. It has to change. We're the image makers, dude. It'll all rotate around us. They don't do shit. You got to realize that they're just brick and mortar. They just hold a physical location down like a pimp on a goddamn corner. And that thing becomes less and less valuable. Way less valuable. Because Facebook. You know, like good pimps can like pimp from jail. They they like, they make their calls and they have their women like hold the the stuff out until they, (laughs) that's the truth. I don't, I don't disagree with you. (laughs) Not one bit. I'm actually. That same service. (laughs) <laughs> well, I've been talking about that a lot, like the the sort of brick and mortar gallery system that we've seen over the last twenty years has been based on a gallery's collector list. Now yeah, those collector yeah. lists are listed right in our little Facebook friend list. Now. I can just like click, hey, I'm your friend on Facebook. I know the gallery charges twice as much as you do. Would you like to make me a deal? Right, it's a trick. Oh, and I, that and that's it's a hard trick. It's not like this is not like this isn't happening in all other markets. Everything, dude. Everything. Everything. So any if, creative, any anything that's created and and made, this is happening with. <clears throat> and it's like, who are you? Are you like Metallica trying to like shut Napster down, or do you do you believe that like you're genuine enough that if someone wants to try and up you and tag on top of you? that they can outprove you, then let it happen. If not, then you can take the tags off. Now, digitally, you can remove them. If you want to. If you want to. That's the key. <laughs> cool, <laughs> what, man. Well, your... um, let's let's plug your guys' stuff for the interwebs, for the people that are listening to the show, like where they can go check out some of these images. And, uh, Michael's and at White guys. Walls, and everyone knows who that is. Like That's the predominant gallery in this city called San Francisco. After we were just talking about pimps and hoes and shit, you can go right <laughs> to the gallery, huh? Yeah, yes, I told him straight to his face. He did. Pimps and hoes. I, I appreciate his pimping style. <laughs> well, that show, your show just came down just this. Just uh, this next one. week it comes down. Oh, it's still just, up? Okay, so I'm going to. Yeah. Go in and see it because it's gonna, amazing. I, I'm going to bang this out so that people can, so it'll be available to listen to before that happens. So. Yeah, yeah nice. Thank you. And uh, what's your website? It's uh, michaelpageart.com. And you're on the Facebooks with the same sort of shit? Facebook, yeah, and I don't do anything else. I don't Twitter or nothing like that, you know? Why don't you get up on the Twitter, son? Yeah, you have to. Yeah, for like all seven of you that would follow me. It's not like that. People like those little tags. You'd have 3,000 followers in like a week, guaranteed. That's where it's at. Yeah, Twitter's actually because you like Facebook fucked up because Twitter says tweet. You know they like they're the band aid of the new. <laughs> you know what? Sure. I go to Twitter when I want to do like my adult stuff, and then like <laughs> <laughs> I'll, 
all my like my like my grandma's on my Facebook and my mom and shit. Uh, so maybe it's that's like, what they're out. I need to go. Everyone must keep getting mad. No, you just gotta rebrand yourself. Just yeah. keep your old self like that, and then do like the new adult you, and then the old. It's slowly but surely, but I, 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 every time I, I leak a little bit of adult me into Facebook, I get moms commenting on everything like, oh, what you doing? Moms on Facebook thing? now. It blew my mind. My they mom's on Facebook. They all are. The, the government's on it. You're, you're, everybody looks at you. So if you're like, this is, I keep trying to tell my friends this, like your mug's going to be hit. So I changed my name so I don't want my mug being hit constantly on the other thing. Just keep confusing the the face recognition programming and have it so that <laughs> have it so that it's actually your work that constantly gets hit. Like if your work gets hit more than your face, then yeah. you're doing a much better job. If it's if your face is the whole hype, then you became famous for who you were, not for what you did. And it's better. Like every every icon I like was enviable because they were famous for what they did. My Google image status is strong. Nice. <laughs> what I'm saying. I think mine, I need, I need, I need to get like, mine going. I did Alta Vista for a while. You got a corporation to deal with. I know. That's, We've been that's talking about that for a long down. time. Yeah. Going global. There's Corporate. Like, there's like Michael Page Corp. I don't even know. What they and they're do. global. I mean, they yeah. got everywhere. So. You're global. So uh, I'm fine. You You've been across <laughs> Europe. That's true. We just got to go to Asia next. Yeah, that, okay. that's yeah. when you take over the world. Definitely. All right, guys. Thank you again very much. I appreciate your time. It was a wonderful thank you, conversation. Let's sure. do internet dap. You see here? Bam. All right, Definitely. guys. Have a good night. Thanks again. You too. Thank you very much. Peace right. out. Later. We'd like to welcome you all again to the world of vibration, introduction to the nation, a revolutionary thought here, the sound evolved, expanding, changing. Most of the things that we saying have been broken through your chatter, so y'all niggas still ego trip basing. Have not begun to taste the Kundalini wisdom, listen, dropping as a lyrical and vessel for the sages. Play this on your playlist. I like dope, but musically I'm transcending the physical. And don't blame me for the slang and the work. God writes these rhymes through me. I just listen to them. I'm just living through. Matrix driven rules haven't fooled me, because I still think abstract. And stay metaphysical and challenge what is really will and keep creating with the force to bring rap back not that it's the way but everybody got something to say so let me speak the opposite of what's hot now and make that hot so it'll get exploited in the corporations only your back dudes who bite my style and they can try and try again i even been influenced by a lot of pioneers south to the east and west but when i hot them see this on a stage with a real mc most of the time the situation gets hostile we vibrate at higher frequencies welcome to our world and intro to To dig within in a world full of BS that we're living in. To my ears, music sounds sweet, it's in an end. So I stay pounding out tunes again and again. It's the fifth chapter, ladies and gentlemen. And I still got MCs on my dinner menu right late at night. This ain't Dave Letterman. Though on second thought, I'm like a letterman. So let the crap evolve. Catch a little syndrome shooting through your veins, vibrating through your eardrums. Used to think 30 years old, then the end comes. Now I feel like I'm just gaining momentum. Seen the world two times, all except India. About to vacate there when we finish this one. Work hard, though some still sleep. We won't mention them. In fact, they act as fuel for our engine. Engine, engine, number nine, Mike Lynch. And when we're done with this, these songs are our pension. MCs are puppets, me, I'm Jim Henson. Take a squat or get chopped by the henchmen. City, town, state, arena, or convention. Please believe these, the G's that ease tension. Rockin' and F set, it's a marathon. So song after song, we keep on inventing.